Well, I'd like to speak to us on the subject of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word is so familiar to us, but I hope we're never, we never lose the wonder of the truth of the resurrection of the Savior. Um, a familiar saying that many may not know that it's in the Scripture, but, and perhaps not even where in the Scripture, it's so familiar to us. Um, where is, this is the day that the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and be, and be glad in it. Of course, we know it is in the Scripture, but very few, it seems, understand that it's, it's in the Old Testament and in the book of Psalms. And I would like us to consider those few verses in Psalm 118. There are a few Messianic Psalms of the Resurrection, and uh, it's interesting how Psalm 2 was sung this morning. That was an encouragement to my heart, and a confirmation and if you think of Psalm 16, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. And uh, Psalm 22, the first half, is dealing with the suffering of the Lord Jesus. And the second half is dealing with his glory, and including his resurrection. It's interesting how the one verse, you have, you have his suffering in the first part of the verse, and his resurrection, the glory in the second part. Uh, he's, it's like he's, he's being impaled on the horns of the unicorn and then he says thou hast heard me and uh, so what a picture is it not of the Lord Jesus as he's as he's impaled on that tree and he's he's uh, thinking of others saving sinners and then he cries out the extreme loneliness and separation from God and atoning for our sins and uh, you remember he first says father forgive them but he doesn't say, Father, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? He doesn't have the sense of the fatherhood at that point of God, but the wrath of, of a judge. But then, you know, in the end, he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And so uh, the Lord Jesus is prophesied to suffer and to rise from the dead. And, and then Psalm 118 is perhaps an unusual uh prophecy. The, uh, the, the writer speaks of the bookends of God's goodness and grace and the encouragement to faith and, and a support in trouble and hopefulness and salvation. And he speaks of the gate that is open that he goes through. And many believe it speaks of the Lord Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, so I'm not going to read the whole psalm at, at this morning, but uh, then we see that you have the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll begin at verse number uh, 21. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders re refused, and there's his death, is become the headstone of the corner, and there's his resurrection. I wonder how much the sacred writer understood. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. 
God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So this is is another psalm of the resurrection, a messianic psalm. But uh, the writers in the Old Testament were not unaccustomed to writing things that certainly at least alluded to a resurrection or uh, events that were akin to the resurrection. And perhaps we we go all the way back to Genesis 5 where Enoch is is, uh, taken up and we see that he goes without death, but you see the power of God enabling one to go to heaven uh, from earth. And so you have certainly the suggestion of the resurrection the same way with Elijah. And then you have um, Genesis 22, where Abraham is ready to plunge the knife into Isaac. And I think it's Hebrews that tells us what was in Abraham's mind before he woke up in the morning. The Lord tells him the night before to go take your son and and, uh, kill him, sacrifice him. And what is going on in his... It seems like I would have slept in and, uh, and not gotten up like it says he got up early in the morning. But Hebrews tells us that, well... He's my seed, and the Lord promises uh, nations. And so if I kill Isaac, the Lord's going to raise him from the dead. So you have the the truth of the resurrection there in Genesis 22 as well. And then God is the God of the living. And so you certainly see that even though Abraham, Isaac, and and, uh, um, Jacob are dead, their bodies are buried, yet their souls are alive, and, and you see that that God does cause there to be life after death. And uh, there's certainly an inference there. And then you have Elijah raising a man from the dead, a man touching Elisha's bones and rising from the dead. And uh, you have the different Psalms. And then you have Jonah, a picture prophecy of the Lord Jesus. Now, we don't know if if he died in the water, if, or if he was dead in the in the uh, fish's belly, but certainly the Lord Jesus showed us, taught us that it was a, a picture prophecy of the resurrection. As Jonah was in the whale's belly, so the Lord will be in the belly of the earth, and He will come forth. And then you have, uh, even before the death of Christ, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up again. So you have Jesus prophesying of the resurrection. And of course, in in the Gospels, you have the Son of Man being crucified and dying and rising from the dead. And so we come to Psalm 118. It's a a wonderful text, isn't that? I'd just like us to have, have a consideration of the resurrection this morning of the Lord Jesus. Just to ponder this uh sacred uh, event and it's the gospel it's a saving truth and just to use these texts relating to the resurrection the first is the stone which the builders rejected or refused this is the prerequisite of the resurrection you can't have a resurrection without a death 
And it's not saying that death was merely the leverage or merely nearly the prerequisite. I'm not saying that it's merely that. Death, the death of Christ is, is our uh, day of atonement. It's our atonement for, for our sins. But in order for him to rise from the dead, he has to die. So he did not swoon. He did not go into a coma. Jesus died for our sins. He was refused rejected of men. So they understood the offer. They understood that he was offering himself to to save sinners. And they said, no thank you. And they refused the Lord Jesus. He was the stone, our rock, and our redeemer, our fortress, the rock that followed them in the wilderness. But he was refused. It's interesting in Isaiah, it says he is despised and rejected of men. I remember reading a commentator who said, you can admire Jesus and yet reject him. And there are those that say he was a good man, but they don't trust him for their salvation. And then the writer said, you can receive him and yet despise him. And there are those that say they believe in Jesus and have trusted in him, but their life never proves it. There's no repentance. There's no change of life. There's no... There's no reverence for the Lord and gratefulness for what he has has wrought for our salvation. The stone which the builders refused. And yet we can't look down our nose at those who crucified the Savior. I am complicit to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I had the same heart. I rejected him for many years. And was 18 years old, hitchhiking from a tavern in West Virginia, 1978. I was a freshman at West Virginia University, and I was becoming inebriated as usual on Friday or Saturday night. And sitting at, at the bar on a stool and looking out, in those days they could smoke in the taverns and just all kinds of smoke and the dance floor and and... All those years I had rejected the Lord, but all of a sudden it occurred to me, isn't there more to life than this? And I just left the bar and my friends and started hitchhiking home. And the first person that went around the bend could be anybody. It could be a villain. It could be a, a, a cultist. Could have been an angel. I don't know. But he began to preach the gospel to me immediately. And I just wanted to ride to my dormitory. And I was mad at first. And he just was preaching the simple gospel. Well, buddy, I know that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And, and Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he, he came down. He's the Son of God. He came down. He took a human body. And he lived and he died for us. And you need him. And about halfway to the dormitory... It was only about five miles total. The Lord just tugged at my heart. It's time to listen. And he preached the gospel to me that Jesus died and rose again. And I need him desperately. And that was a link. That was a seed. And Tanya was a member of the church where I was converted just a couple weeks later. And a lost man invited me to church on a Sunday morning. Next door neighbor in the dormitory on the sixth floor. You know, they're all links, aren't they? In, in the providences of God in reaching us. But it was the death of Christ and his 
resurrection that is our salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in this place this morning. The gospel of Christ is not mere history. The the death and resurrection of the Savior is theology. It's gospel. It's not just an event in the past. It's a powerful truth in the present and forever. So the stone, the stone that the builders refuse is the prerequisite for the resurrection. Oh, it's set up the resurrection, but what a death Jesus died in our place. It says he has become the headstone of the corner. There's the vindication of the resurrection. It vindicated his death. It vindicated prophecy. It vindicated his life. It vindicated his preaching. The divine disagreement of the refusal of of the stone that God raised him from the dead. He came back, back, as it were, to haunt them, didn't he? He came back to haunt them. The stone that was rejected is now the stone that's erected. Jesus vindicated his death by rising from the dead. Oh, the poise of the cross. When they were scorning him and mocking him, Hebrews tells us, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It was a joy to him to save we wretched sinners, to deliver us from so great a death. He could have left us like the fallen angels to perish, all of us. And yet he loved us so much. The resurrection from a supposed rock pile, that's all he treated him, just a rock to be thrown in the rock pile, to a pivotal stone from valueless to valuable, the precious cornerstone that God laid in Zion, the vindication of the resurrection. This is the Lord's doing, the invention of the resurrection. He owns the resurrection. The resurrection is a divine patent, isn't it? He has the title and the right. Of course, no one can ever copy it or repeat it. In other words, this is saying, I did it. God's saying, I did it. And we're agreeing, this is the Lord's doing. He did it. He did it. No one else can raise a dead person from the... No one else can raise a dead person. And you know, our spiritual resurrection when we're born again is a resurrection. It's a spiritual resurrection. And God owns it. No wonder why they trembled at the thought when the women heard that he was no longer in the tomb. The blessed combination of fear and joy. Do you ever have that that trembling joy in your soul when you think about being raised from the dead? It's a sad thing, isn't it, when we go to funerals and, and viewings and we go to the grave. This person's dead. But the He's going to rise up again. That body's going to be brought back to life of the loved one who's trusted the Lord. We need that that fear and, and joy again. We need that blessed combination. So often we have a morbid fear and we have a flippant joy. We need, we need that blessed, holy combination. This is the Lord's doing. The Lord can save sinners. Do you believe he can save the chiefest of sinners that you may know? Maybe you confess that 
to be? What about that lost loved one? You know, Jesus had to wait until he died and went to heaven before he saved his brothers. Do you think he didn't pray for his brothers all those years? How they maligned him and persecuted him. They didn't like him. Remember John chapter 7? Be encouraged. I'm not saying that you're going to have to wait till you get to heaven for your loved one to be saved, but we may have to. But he can save them. He can save them today. He can work in their hearts. Don't we all have people that we, we sigh and we cry, Lord, how long? We've been praying for our dad, for our mom. We've been praying for our sibling, for our child, our grandchildren for years. And we get tired. Try to pray in different, from different angles and different words and different vocabulary and from different passages of Scripture. And we feel like God is just stiff-arming us. That's not what he's doing. He's long-suffering, like he was with you and me. Keep on praying. He loves to save sinners. He loved to save his brothers. Don't you think his brothers said to each other, Oh, I wish we'd have known him. I wish we'd have believed on him while he was here. Oh, how we hurt him, how we hurt his heart, how we, how we persecuted him. And he couldn't wait to get to heaven to, to bow at his feet. Oh, he forgave their sins. He forgave their persecution. But I can imagine them in heaven saying, Lord, forgive us. Like Joseph's brothers when they were so kindly treated when the truth finally touched their hearts. The invention of the resurrection, God invented the resurrection. And oh, how we praise him for that invention. It is marvelous in our eyes. There's the power of the resurrection. Faith in the Lord. We stand in amazement. It's marvelous. Who could have guessed? Is it a thing incredible that God can raise the dead? The resurrection is faith-making. Faith cometh by hearing. It's marvelous and miraculous. It's marvelous in our eyes. Is it still marvelous? Oh, the Lord would deliver us from, from, being, from being flippant and from being heartless. And we can preach like ten men from the pulpit. We need your prayers. We need a heart. Over and over again, we feel sometimes like, like sermon machines. We need a heart when we study. We need a heart when we preach and teach. We need the, li- the listening that helps the preaching. And you need the preaching that helps the listening. We need every single day to be refreshed in the truth of the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, give us heart. We're not getting any younger. Your minister just turned 70, and I'm not far from there. And we know our time is short, but we want to to be able to be fulfilled like Psalm 92. They will still bring forth fruit in old age. Pray that we'll never lose the wonder of it all. Don't lose the wonder of it all. Pray for the wonder of it all that Jesus Christ rose from the dead to save us from the second death forever and ever, separated from God. Oh, the power of the resurrection. There's power in the Lord to save sinners. 
He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He can save sinners. And oh, what a powerful day of resurrection that will be. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Yes, we can use that text generally every day. But in this passage, it's saying a new day will dawn. He's talking about the day of the resurrection. In other words, this is a memorial of the resurrection. The Lord has left a memorial of the resurrection when he said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's the Lord's day. It's Revelation 1.10. Well, those will give a dichotomy. They'll say, well, it was the Sabbath in the Old Testament. It was the Lord's day in the New Testament. No, it was the, the Lord's day in the Old Testament. It was, it's the Sabbath in the New Testament as well. As it says in Isaiah, my holy day. And you have the Lord speaking about the Sabbath day after he ascended to heaven and pray that your flight will not be on the Sabbath day. That was, that was some 40 years after the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven. He left a memorial, a relic, if you will, a memento, a reminder, an antique, if you will. No shroud, no tomb was needed, no DNA. He's left his day. He's, he's left a day one in seven to remind us of the gospel. We need our front ends aligned, don't we? We need our hearts aligned. And aren't you glad it's not one in 30 days? We, he knew he made us seven-day clocks, didn't he? And he knew we needed to be refreshed every seventh day. Of course, every day we need refreshed. But how important it is that we assemble together and have public worship it's god's favorite thing he says he loves the gates of zion more than all the tents of jacob didn't he say that psalm 87 he loves family worship he loves individual worship but he particularly loves public worship psalm 87 and we should say like david lord i love the 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 habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth psalm 26 the memorial of the resurrection. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Exaltation in the resurrection. What does it mean, it? it? Is it the resurrection or is it the day? Yes. Yes, it's the resurrection and the memorial of it. We rejoice. I hope that when we realize that the Lord's day is dawning, we, we're excited and we're not, just, we're not just numb and we wake up, oh, it's, it's Sunday but that we, we prepare early. I remember our old, old minister in Greenville used to say, shine your shoes Saturday night. Get your, get your suit out Saturday night. Not legalism, but free yourself for the Lord's day. Give him the whole day and prepare early. Isn't the Lord worthy of early and urgent and diligent preparation? I trust that when you woke up this morning you said it's the lord's day it's the lord's day we're going to be with the lord's people and he's going to be with us he's going to meet with us he's going to refresh our souls that jesus is among us that wonderful jesus is among us right now oh not physically but he's among us he walks in the midst of his candlestick And perhaps there's at least an angel here. The Bible seems to indicate there are angels in the worship services. I wonder, 
the angels look and see those people are awake, those people are joyful? Or is it the angel that has to knock us on the, on the elbow? Or do they have to go to heaven and say, oh, that, that church in Buffalo, they need to be awakened, Lord. Oh, that the Lord would deliver us from lukewarmness and revive our hearts and give us new joy again that the Lord is raised from the dead. We exalt in the resurrection. Save now. There's the application of the resurrection. Hosanna is this word. Because Jesus is raised from the dead, what's the application? Lord, save sinners. That's why you rose from the dead, because you died and you rose that sinners would be saved and that you might bring them into glory, that you might paralyze the power of the devil and save sinners. Bodily resurrection underscores spiritual regeneration. The body won't rise if the saint doesn't regenerate. And Jesus saves sinners, and he gives a great hope for the resurrection. The Bible indicates in 1 Peter that we're born again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's Christ's resurrection day. It's God's market day. Think about the millions of messages that are being preached today from pulpits, out in abandoned buildings as they're trying to escape the the eye of, of the persecutor. Think about evangelists going door to door, people in in, at Hyde Park and other parks, standing on, on their soapboxes and hoping that they can draw some people to hear God's word. Think about people going up into jungles with, with Bibles and, and gospel literature to take to people in, in, their, in their homes. Think about the millions of believers, you and me, perhaps even this afternoon, as we, as we head out, as we, as we see a neighbor, as we, as, we, as we visit with a relative, as we visit a, a convalescent home. All, this, all the gospel messages that are going out, we should be crying, Hosanna! Save sinners, Lord! Open the eyes of the lost. The resurrection may be history, it's more than history. It's reality. It's the gospel. Now, it doesn't say, was Christ raised from the dead? Paul writes, now is Christ. See, that it's, it's present reality. Now is Christ risen from the dead. It's no mere past event. It's a living reality, a powerful message, a saving truth. And we can say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Maybe there is a lost soul in here. I don't know your heart. But today is the day of salvation. Eternity is scary without Christ. That man that picked me up hitchhiking in 78 handed me a, a gospel tract. It had, it had some pictures in it. And the one picture was the great white throne judgment. And there were two brothers. One was saved and one was lost. And... They stood before God. Is his name in the book of life? No, Lord. And the picture I got was angels casting this person in the lake of fire. It scared me. Is there a lake of fire? It made sense, didn't it? Man has prisons. Where they get the idea? God is a prison as well as a paradise. Oh, we're fed the lie. He only has a paradise. But God is a prison. 
But the other man had trusted the Lord, persecuted by his brother. His name is in the book of life, brought into glory, eternal joy, eternal light, eternal fellowship with God. Two brothers, two destinies. And I don't know your heart this morning, but if you aren't converted, man, you're in danger. Be scared like I was. And flee from the wrath to come. I remember saying after he dropped me off, now what do I do? He never told me his name. There wasn't an address on the back of the tract. I went up. I read, read the thing going up six, six floors. I did lived on the sixth floor. I was inebriated, but I had to read it. And I remember and I got to the sixth floor, and I saw the picture of the lake of fire. I said, wow. I have, to, I have to know more about this. And God in his mercy let me live long enough to be saved. Yet, like I said, invited by a lost neighbor who stood as, as frozen as ice next to me. When her preacher preached the gospel, I was drawn and he was left. How do you figure that? God's mercy. I deserved his justice. Soon there will be an explosion of resurrections one day. The Bible says in Daniel 12, some to everlasting life. Oh, I trust that everyone in this room can have, has that promise. But Daniel's on to write, some to shame and everlasting Oh, that you would know spiritual resurrection by today. And then you could have the hope of the resurrection of the body to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. I trust that resurrection will have a fresh meaning, not only now, but the rest of our lives. What a powerful truth. Jesus is raised from the dead, and so shall we be. He's the first fruits. That guarantees the afterfruits. Lord Jesus, please bless your word to our hearts. Stir us, Lord. And as our brother prayed earlier, oh, that these things would resonate in our souls. Forgive us where we have been ho-hum and cold and apathetic. Do not allow these truths, Lord, to stir us time and again. It's our fault. Fill us with your spirit. Thank you for your mercies, for your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, give us the patience that you had with your brothers, with those that we've been praying for, loved ones and neighbors, strangers, workmates, associates. Lord, give us love for their souls, faith in you. Know, Lord, that you are generous with your salvation. You love to save. It's in your hands, and may we commit their souls to you, but not forget to pray for them and to seek their good. Oh, we give thanks to you, our God. We give thanks to you, O oh Lord, for your mercy endures forever. Amen.